Christ Community Church is called by the God of all grace. For the transforming of life in Middle Tennessee. Spiritually, socially, and culturally. Through the power of the gospel. From Franklin to the nations of the world. All for the glory of God. For more information, visit ChristCommunity.org. And now the word of the Lord from Isaiah 49, verses 1 through 7. Listen to me, O coastlands, and give attention, you peoples from afar. The Lord called me from the womb. From the body of my mother, he named my name. He made my mouth like a sharp sword. In the shadow of his hand, he hid me. He made me a polished arrow in his quiver. He hid me away, and he said to me, You are my servant, Israel, in whom I will be glorified. But I said, I have labored in vain. I have spent my strength for nothing in vanity. Yet surely my right is with the Lord, and my recompense with my God. And now the Lord says, He who formed me from the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob back to him, And that Israel might be gathered to him. For I am honored in the eyes of the Lord, and my God has become my strength. He says, It is too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to bring him back, the preserved of Israel. I will make you as a light for the nations, that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. Thus says the Lord, the Redeemer of Israel and his Holy One. To one deeply despised, abhorred by the nation, the servant of rulers, kings shall see and arise, princes, and they shall prostrate themselves because of the Lord, who is faithful, the Holy One of Israel, who has chosen you. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning. Hope you had a good Christmas and look forward to 2020. Uh, This is weeks away. When I was a student in seminary, my professor, you know, you kind of wrestle with the scriptures and all this. And one of my professors had this uh, statement that I've thought about a lot. And he said this. He he said, God, uh, the scriptures tell us a little bit about what God has done, less about how he's done it, and almost nothing about why he's done it. I don't know if you've thought about that, but the scriptures don't tell us a lot about why God does what he does. It tells us. What he's done, less about how, and almost nothing about why. And we want to know more about why and how. But God says he's given us enough. And I don't know about you, but I come, I come up to this, this brick wall all the time when I'm dealing with the why questions in my life or other people's lives. And it's this, God is God, and I'm not God. That's the brick wall. That's the reality. That's why God doesn't just, has to tell us about the whys. He just says, I'm God, and that should be enough. I've given you enough to know and to trust and to follow. He doesn't answer all of our questions, but yet he gives us himself and he gives us his son. And that's what this what we we're, get a glimpse into this passage of Scripture is a little bit of this. It's a conversation between God the Father and God the Son. It's listed as Yahweh, the Lord, which is God revealed himself to Moses I am who I am, and that's a variation of the verb to be Yahweh. 
my character discloses who I am. That's the sense of Yahweh. And then we know the servant of the Lord is now Jesus. That's his son. So here's this. We're getting a glimpse of this conversation between God the Father and God the Son about salvation. Peter says about salvation, angels long to look into this. And so we're getting an opportunity to glimpse this kind of conversation that's going on between the Father and the Son. This is actually, this passage is a second servant song. Uh, 42, Isaiah 42 is, is the first one. Uh, that, but this second one is one we want to look at. So you've got the Son making a, some comments, then the Father, then the Son, and then the Father. So we'll look back and forth on this conversation. I use the NIV. I know it was read in the, in the King James, or the, the ESV, and I think it's clearer in the, in the NIV. No offense. So that, I told them where I was going to use the NIV, but it didn't get translated, I guess. So here Jesus says this. Listen to me, you islands. Hear, the dist- hear you distant nations. For I was born and the Lord called me from the, my mother's womb and spoke my name. He says he's shouting out, listen, you distant lands and nations. Why is he saying that? Because this good news is going to go beyond Israel beyond uh, the physical descendants of Abraham, beyond this plot of land in the Middle East. This good news is going to go much broader. Listen to you islands, because later on he's going to say, my salvation will go you know, to the ends of the earth. So listen up. This is good news, not just for those who are born of Abraham. This is good news for all of us, all of mankind. And then he says, you know, I was made in verse 2. He made my mouth like a sharpened sword. In the shadow of his hand, he hid me. He made me like a polished arrow and concealed me in the quiver. So here he's saying God has given me gifts and he has empowered me to do specific things in order to do all of this. And then here's the father's response in, in verse 3. I love this. He says, you are my servant. And so that's what he calls him back in, in chapter 42. You're my servant. And Jesus grabbed hold of this. He called himself as the son of man, but he says the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and give his life a ransom for many. So Jesus saw himself first and foremost called to be the servant of God, the servant of his father to do, to do his father's will. And he said, you're my servant. Then he said, Israel. You're going, what's going on there? Why does he call him Israel? Well, in, in many ways, I mean, Jesus was going to come and represent. He was going to be the true Israelite, the one who was going to faithfully represent mankind before God the one who was going to be the true Israelite and not only the true Israelite but the true human being he's going to be what the first Adam failed to do the scripture calls him the last Adam the Adam who came and perfectly obeyed the father who took upon himself even the sin of mankind he represented us he represented us before God in that way Hebrews calls him our champion the one who faced death to its fullest, and he defeated death by submitting to death, and then God raised him from the dead. So our champion, the true Israelite, the last Adam, all of those things, and there are many more names that you could use about Jesus, but, he's, but the Father says to this, you are my servant Israel, in whom I will display my splendor, in whom I will display my splendor. So God decided that he was going to show his splendor in, this, in his son. You know, <clears throat> The scriptures tell us, you know, there are many verses in the New Testament that kind of unpack who Jesus was. Colossians is a great one. This was read at Christmas Eve in Colossians 1, 15. The son, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God. 
the firstborn over all creation. So Jesus is, the firstborn doesn't mean that he was born in a sense. Firstborn is a technical term in scripture meaning the highest of rank. Jesus wasn't a created being. He's the highest of rank over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and by him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. In chapter 2, in verse 9, it says, For in Christ all the fullness of deity lives in bodily form. So in Jesus, all the fullness of deity was represented. I mean, we can't say enough about Jesus. This whole idea of the incarnation, we can't talk about it too much. The amazing thing, you know, Jesus didn't give up his deity when he stepped into our world. If you thought about that, the best way I can say it is, Jesus, he added to his divine nature a human nature. Now, I don't know about you, but I would love to add to my human nature a divine nature. Go ahead, help yourself, knock yourself out. But I can't, but Jesus could. He didn't give up his deity. You know, Philippians said he did not consider equality with God something to hold on to or be grasped, but he humbled himself, be made in the form of a servant, etc., etc. But what he did, he added to his divine nature, human nature, so he could represent God to us, and he could also represent us to God. So here, you imagine at one point Jesus is reading through the scriptures and realizing here's who he is and what his calling was. That Jesus as a human had to discover his 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 deity. Now, that will cook your grits if you think about that. I, I mean, some people call me heretical for saying that. But if Jesus was a fully human, his humanity had to discover his deity. His deity was always aware of his, his deity and his humanity, but he had to discover it. He had to understand it. So at some point, Jesus, and, and you, you get this glimpse. You know, Pastor Cassidy has said this about when Jesus went, uh, and it is basically his bar mitzvah, and his parents left him behind and didn't find him for three days and had to go back and look for him. He said, you had one job, you know, to take care of, and you lost the, the Messiah, you lost Jesus. But, well, you know, he was, it says in that passage, here he was 12, 13 years old, and he was confounding the wisest people who understood the scriptures as he spoke about them. And as he, he had a great understanding. He had a mind that wasn't fallen, and he grasped this, and he was... Again, added to his divine nature or human nature to represent us before God. So this is a bit of this salvation. Jesus, why, why is God sending his son? He's going to display his splendor among him. And we're going to find out a little bit more. Uh, what? And then, and then Jesus has a concern. He's, he's, uh, I love this, verse 4. He said, I've labored in vain and I've spent my strength for nothing. <clears throat> He says, here's Jesus' concern. Okay, the, the script, go, to, go to John, and it says, they, they ask Jesus, what must we do to do the works that God requires? And he says, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he sent, to believe in Jesus. I mean, that's where you know, faith comes from, believing in Jesus, putting your faith in him, and following him. What Jesus is saying here to the Father you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do all this. I'm going to add to my divine nature or human nature. I'm going to step into humanity. I'm going to represent you before God, and I'm going to offer my, my, my life, my blood as a sin for the world. And nobody's going to believe. Nobody's going to come. I'm going to throw a party, and nobody's going to show up. You had that fear? Well, here Jesus is expressing that. I'm going to do all this, 
And nobody's going to pay attention. Nobody's going to come. Nobody's going to follow. And so here's this, this real concern uh, that Jesus had. Here he was gifted by the Lord, but he says nothing's going to happen. And yet, uh, he said, I'm going to offer my life as a ransom for many. And are people going to believe? Are they going to believe that I am your son? Are they going to believe that I've really fully em- embraced and represented them before you? Well, then the father responds, uh, verse 5. Uh, look at this. And now the Lord says, who formed me in the womb to be his servant, to bring back Jacob back to him and gather Israel to himself. He said, and I'm honored among the Lord. Look at verse 6. It is too small a thing for you to be my servant to restore the tribe of Jacob. It's too small a thing for you to be the, my servant just to restore the tribes of Jacob or to bring back those of Israel I've kept. You, you notice this? It's, not, it's too small a thing. Have you heard this, this statement? If you were the only one, if you were the only person alive, Jesus would have died for you. Have you heard that statement? That's very inspirational, but it's not very biblical. It would be too small a thing. It would be too small a thing because it wasn't enough for Jesus just to restore those who were physical descendants of Abraham, those who were promised about Abraham. You know, God said back to Abraham in in Genesis 12, all peoples on earth will be blessed through you, not just your physical descendants. So he said it wouldn't be enough for Jesus to restore those of Israel. Notice what it says, that God has kept, that God is in, in charge of this. He goes on to say, it's it's too small a thing. I will also make you a light for the Gentiles that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. I will make you a light to the Gentiles that my salvation will will go to the ends of the earth. Now, notice this language. I mean, I'm the king of, let's try this. Let's trial and error. I'm, I'm very practical. You could look up, I'm practical about how I approach and try to fix things. And let's try this, let's try that. Well, God is not a trial and error type of God. God doesn't try anything. Can you imagine God saying, let's see if this works out. Let Let me give this a try. I mean, God acts. God does. God creates. He said, I will make you a light to the Gentiles that my salvation may go to the ends of the earth. Who is Lord of salvation? Who is the Lord of light? I mean, God is the one who is in charge of that. And he says, I'm going to do it. I'm going to send my son to represent man before, before him and to represent God to mankind. And then I'm going to make you a light to the Gentiles that my salvation may go to the ends of the earth. And he promises, I'm going to do this. And it's interesting as we, as you look throughout the rest of scripture, uh, This is what happens. So Jesus understands this. He understands this promise. And as he goes through his life, as he goes through his mission, as you see him, he's constantly saying this phrase, my my calling is to do the will of my father who sent me. I'm just saying, I'm just telling you what my father told me to do. So Jesus, he said, my reward is in God's hands. So I'm going to do what he's called me to do. I'm going to faithfully obey the father. I'm going to submit to his will. I'm going to bear the sin of the world. I'm going to take the sin on the cross. I'm going to take his wrath for all of mankind. And I'm going to put my trust in him. He got this. I mean, Jesus, 
in John 6, again, someone, when he's asked, what must we do to do the works that God requires? Believe in the one he has sent. And later on, he says, all that the Father gives me will come to me. He sees salvation is in God's hands, that God is going to reward Jesus. He's going to reward Jesus' obedience with people who believe. I don't know if you've ever wondered if you're, if you're significant or not, if you matter to God. But here's the reality, that God is rewarding Jesus, Jesus' obedience with us, with people. That's how valuable we are. We are the reward that Jesus has earned for his obedience to the Father, for taking the cross. This is why God has sent his son to show his splendor and to be his servant, to make his salvation go to the ends of the earth, that to make him a light to to not just Israel, but to the Gentiles. And the Gentiles are all the non-Jews. So he's got all of mankind right there. He says, all that the Father gives me will come to me. And what happens when you get to... What happens when you get to, to Revelation? I feel this. I feel your pain. Okay. <laughs> you know, when you get to Revelation, there in chapter seven, this picture uh, of you know you, you're getting a glimpse into heaven. We get some glimpses throughout Scripture of of kind of the things that are going on in heaven. And there it says in chapter seven, they're standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb who was slain, the Lamb of God, from every tribe tongue, people, and nations, thousands upon thousands, 10,000 times 10,000, a number that no one could count. That's a figurative number to me, a, a number that no one could count, to give praise to the Lord, to give honor to the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. They continue to cry out. That's the reward that Jesus is getting. He's looking ahead. All these people who believe from every tribe, tongue, and people, and language group that Jesus has redeemed, the Father has made known this good news of salvation. This is why he sent his son to redeem us, that we would be the reward, that we might enjoy what God has offered for us, and that we would be his people, and that he would be our God. Isn't that, isn't that amazing that we count that much, that we matter to God that much? And there's this sense that when you get to Revelation 21, 22, this kind of this awe at last. God is with his people. And he will be their God, and we will be his. And we will be with him forever. And there's always another ever after that. Forever and ever. Forever is not enough. We'll be with him forever and ever. And that's the good news of what God has done for us. The good news of what he has said. And Jesus, here we're getting this glimpse from this conversation. It would be too small a thing. And then he promises at the end of that passage, hey, not only that, This is what the Lord says in verse 7, the Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, to him who is displayed, uh, whoever is displayed in the port of the nations, the servant and rulers, kings will see you and stand up, princes will see you and bow down, because the Lord who is faithful, the Holy One of Israel, has chosen you. He promises, hey, it may look like nobody's going to believe, but trust me, kings will rise up, princes will bow down, people will come, people will trust People will believe. And that's why Jesus, after he's accomplished salvation, after God raised him from the dead, accepting the offering that he made, and Jesus is now sending his disciples and he's commissioning them. The last words he's saying to them. Now, all authority in heaven and on earth is mine, Jesus said. 
all authority, not most of the authority. I've got a lot of it covered. I don't have it all covered. No, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, make disciples of all nations, all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you, and I'll be with you always to the end of the age. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you for what you've accomplished on our behalf. Thank you that you are Lord of salvation, that you're Lord, our Lord, that you care about us, you love us, and all that we have is yours. So, Lord, meet us. Continue to lead us. We would pray that your salvation would continue to go to the ends of the earth and you would use us to help people believe in the one you have sent, to believe in Jesus and find life in his name. We pray to the glory and honor of our son, your son, our Savior, Jesus. Amen.